What's on the agenda today? People who are afraid of color. I do have some phobias, and I think I'm, I'm chromophobic. How could that possibly? Why would you be afraid of color? I'm not afraid of color. Did I say I'm chromophobic? Yeah, you oh. just said you're chromophobic. In, in terms of the art that they were discussing... I love color, but anyway, let's let's get on with this. I thought you, it was an interesting topic. You love color as long as it's not Roman statues? Correct. My bathroom's like going to be a colorless thing, like the, the new renovation. Colorless? No, it's not colorless. It's, it's like subway tile with a hint of color, and then there's a really crazy flooring that caused my installer, Mike, bless his heart, he was so good, great grief. So this is the conspiracy we were re- referring to, mm. correct? Yes, this is the greatest conspiracy in ancient art. Greatest. Huge. And the theory is, simply put, all those beautiful monochromatic statues that you see from Greece and Roman Roman mm-hmm. times, uh, initially they were painted bright colors. Yeah. This is a piece on the BBC, which mm-hmm. we will link to in the show notes. And one of the best parts of it is they have like a six-minute film that is beautifully done. I think the film is goes a little over the top. They really I think, think that it went there's a little a, over the top. There's a, there's, they go a little conspiracy heavy on that. But generally speaking, I thought it was a great film and it's a good article. Wait, conspiracy heavy? Well, in the sense that they think it's genuinely a conspiracy that modern people you know, are trying to keep it monochromatic. They don't like oh, color. Let me recant everything I said before <laughs> I'm saying this <laughs> about my chromophobia. That's the term that was coined, by the way, right? Right, by Dave, uh, David yeah. Batcher. Ba- mm-hmm. No, Batchelor. David Batchelor. David Batchelor. Yeah, he coined chromophobia. But, you know, they can now isolate the vestiges of pigment via, X, you know, all kinds of fancy techniques, whatever. But, you know, we grew up looking at all of this. I mean, and it, they were natural pigments, so they did fade naturally. Mm-hmm. What was one of the quotes from the film? It said, natural weathering is the leading thief of classical vibrancy. Right. Duh. I mean, of <laughs> course. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I, you know, I was in the process one time oh, where I no. was. But no, I whoa, the, whoa, whoa. the point you're missing, though, is that when the scientists looked at this and looked and found the remnants of the the paint. Right. And then, and then reconstructed what these would have originally looked mm-hmm. like. It's mm-hmm. the re- refusal of the modern art elite and the art historian elites mm-hmm. to accept this. They want to keep them as monochromatic. Right. And I don't think I, I really was missing that. I, I saw okay. the reconstructed ones. It's kind of, you know what it reminded me of? What's that? It reminded me of, there, you know, all these renovation shows on, on like Home and Garden Television or whatever. And there's a, a guy in Vegas, I think, that renovates, like they'll bring him like, you know, rusted out Coke machines and, you know, all kinds of fan, like little tricycle or like weird stuff they found in their attic. Garbage. And they want it. Yeah, they want it like renovated or that's not even the word. Restored? Restored. Thank you. And he'll go through all these pains to restore it to its original Ah, state. And I don't know about you, but like when I find some rusted old piece of stuff, I have plenty of rusted old pieces of stuff. I I vintage shopped for years collecting this crap. And there's something about that weathering, the patina, the passage of time that I find very 
interesting and textural and like I wouldn't t- if, if I still had my old tricycle from when I was a kid and now it's like kind of blue and kind of rusted and all jacked up I wouldn't restore it I would stick a doll on it and stick it in the corner or something I mean I wouldn't do and so lots of times in those pieces it's an amazing transformation and they look brand spanking new and people are just blown over but to me it lost something in that transformation process it lost the passage of time. It lost like something. That's how I felt about these statues. It's like when I saw them restored in the video, I was kind of like, I recoiled, <laughs> you know, and I was like, wow. Okay, on one hand, I get it. That would have been on a temple. It would have been on the side of a building. It would have been wherever the hell it was on a hill and it's vibrant and people can see it. But the passage of time is maybe something that we're responding to viscerally that we don't want to let go of. That's all I'm saying. I guess. I think it's important, though, if we're trying to look at these as if, uh, to understand how they related to the time that they were made. I think it's important to see how they how they looked when they were made. Right. I think that's interesting. But I also think it loses something. There was one statue. I recoiled a bit. From which one? Um, All of them jazzed me. I responded very positively to them. There was one that was more, I think it was one of the first ones in the film. Was it the Archer? I think it might have been the archer. Yeah, Yeah. it just looked garish. Mm -hmm. I had a vision of like Scottsdale when they have all the import stores and you go and you find like a little statue. It could be of anything, you know, some like Dio de los Mm -hmm. Muertos head or a little dancing skeleton or a Buddha sitting there or whatever. And they're painted. That's Mm -hmm. what it reminded me of, like a trinket, like something they'd replicate, reproduce and sell in in a tourist town. Like Scottsdale, I recoiled at that particular piece. I think you are a chromophobe <laughs> because that's exactly the point. We have colorful things in some places. You know, it's kind of hard to find color these days. But you know, there are some trinkets that are colorful, and that's what attracts people. And we are basically the same humans mm-hmm. as the Romans were, right? So we respond to the same thing. So they would have liked colorful, garish. But things I didn't as well. like it. But there were pieces that, like, there was one that was like a woman who was. Um, <laughs> that's because you're a colorful. Not a chromophobe. No, but no, no, are. it's you're, in context, but you're means. you're painting me, no pun intended, with the same, you know, chromophobic brush. It's like in context. It's a contextual thing. It's in terms of that particular piece and some of the other pieces, I did prefer them sans color. I just did because it seemed to cheapen it. But maybe that's just my bias and the way I learned about like Grecian art or appreciated it, thinking it was just hewn from marble. And, and left bare for a purpose. I didn't know that a lot of these things were painted. It's cool that they use color. I get why they did. And back in the day, yeah, sure. But to recreate it, to me, it reminds me of a rusty Coke machine. And that's part of the story, is that we have ancient Egyptian art that was put away in tombs mm-hmm. that didn't lose a lot of its color. It it's, did not. It's, fade, it's faded, mm-hmm. and we can restore those to, to see mm-hmm. what the, the, the more vibrant color mm-hmm. that it would have initially had. But we're used to seeing the ancient, ancient art exactly with color. And mm-hmm. we're used to seeing the medieval art in color because they were also in most of them. The ones that survived were also in churches. So we're used mm-hmm. to seeing medieval sculptures that were painted. But we have this gap of the Roman and the Greek art mm-hmm. that was outside for the most part and weathered and lost its color. So mm-hmm. we have this weird gap that we think the, the Romans and the Greeks that we, we revere so highly mm-hmm. because we took their political systems and a lot of their mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. thought processes. 
and built our society around them. And then so we have a monochromatic society because we don't look back at the at them properly because we think mm-hmm. it was, oh, they, they had these... It's considered minimalist and beautiful to have unpainted sculpture just for the form. And that's not true. Right. No, I get it. <coughs> and as far as the restoration of a, like an old tricycle, I can see both sides of that issue. Mm-hmm. The Italians are well known for like taking an old bicycle. Like if they find a bicycle that someone won the, the Tour de Giro on, mm-hmm. uh, which is a tour of Italy, like from 1960, they won't restore it. They right. will revere it they will hang it up but they won't restore it the, mm-hmm. like the tires will literally be rotting off but they'll just hang it on the wall as it was right and i totally get that mm-hmm. but i also understand the instinct to try to want to restore it because what you're doing is you're allowing people to see what it was like when it was new and that i think is an important thing too because it allows you to see it in a visceral connection to the past mm-hmm. because it doesn't look like it's 100 years old I don't know, just, it's, it's a different way of connecting to the past. You don't see the t- passes of time. That passes of time disappears immediately, right. and it's almost like, wow, these people made stuff just like the way we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't go out and buy a car that was rusty, would you? A brand new car? No, I only drive new cars. Oh, so it, it made me wonder, well, I wonder what the color of their togas were, because we <laughs> see everybody who goes to a toga party or whatnot, it's all just white. And I looked into it, and the funniest thing, I read one article was talking about well, there was some color, but it's mostly white. And they literally have paintings from the era, mm-hmm. from ancient Roman paintings, where they show multicolored togas. So the article's saying one thing, and they're showing another thing. It's like most of the togas are probably white, or most of a toga mm-hmm. may have been white, but they also th- splashed in some, some colors in there Right, as well. and one of the statues had like a very light blue, almost toga-like draping, and I mm-hmm. thought that was quite nice. I liked that piece. But some of it just was jarring. Well, the funny thing is the nude, mm-hmm. the male nude, standing nude, was really funny for two reasons. First of all, when it's mm-hmm. painted, it suddenly looks a whole lot more nude because <laughs> it's skin mm-hmm. tone. And also it looked a lot more mm-hmm. feminine. Interesting. Partly because, I don't know if you saw the detail on it, but they had little painting, painted detail around the nipples, like a, a radiating sun detail. I saw, yeah, yeah, I saw that. That, that was pretty was. weird. Those those ancient guys, man, they were weird. Right. I thought it was interesting when you said it was feminine in terms of like adding color. Mm-hmm. David Batchelor also said that he noticed the pattern of resistance to color was to treat color as, how do you say, as feminine, as primitive. Not necessarily feminine. I mean, he said yeah, that, as feminine, as, as less yeah, deserving. primitive, oriental, infantile, kitsch, or cosmetic. Infantile. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, I think maybe that's what I was responding to. Not infantile, but it seemed like raw. It was kind of kitsch, too. I think kitsch would be a good word to me, <laughs> for me. And so, you know, I'm all about color, typically. But in terms of this genre, I guess it did jar me. Yeah, you, you have a blind spot. I have a blind spot. Kind of like my driving. Very much so. So anyway, as, <laughs> as Bachelor was saying, he went to the school in the 1970s, right. and it was color was on the outs there's mm-hmm. a lot of silliness going on in the art world then and it was re- reflected in in the art school i was i went to the art school in the 90s and, the, and it was kind of the same the same thing i was going absolutely mad with color and mm-hmm. my painting teacher came around to me and she one time she said you know james i hate coming to see what you're working on because i never know what you're going to be working on because your color usage is just crazy it's like you, you. That's great. Thanks. I, I appreciate that you can't deal with me because, you know, you can't deal with color. Uh huh. And I don't know if you noticed this, but paint has color in it. 
paint has a so lot. So if you're if you're a painting if you're yeah. a painting teacher, you maybe should look into color. Try to understand that a little bit. Anyway. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when they were talking about drawing. They said another word. I don't know. It was like um. Oh, well, they use they use fancy foreign words. Fancy foreign words. Fancy. For yeah. the, the difference between drawing and painting or colorizing or coloring. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Bachelor was saying that it wasn't Bachelor, or maybe it was the the art historian who mm-hmm. was talking about how throughout Western civilization, I, I don't know if this is true, but she was saying that the drawing was more important than coloring. Mm-hmm. I, I looked through a lot of older artwork, especially mm-hmm. from the High Renaissance on. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's a lot of color there. Oh, that's the other interesting thing. Is in in a in a related note. Mm-hmm. We look at all these old English paintings from the, say, the 17th and 18th centuries. They're very dark. They're very kind of gloomy looking. Um, one might say that they are goth until you clean them. Right. I was just going to say that <laughs> if you tried cleaning them. Yeah. And then, oh, wow, it turns out that it's just the varnish has gone all amber. Mm-hmm. And the painting underneath is actually really bright and white. And things that were look like they were gold are literally silver. Wow. So you don't agree with Plato? The color is cosmetic. Um, forget Plato. That's what I'll say. I'll just say forget Plato. Okay. I was thinking of something a little bit more terse, but I'm trying to keep <laughs> well, that's, it safe. That's two words. One starts with F. I get it. Exactly. Okay. Well. Uh, so they also talked about Michelangelo, and Michelangelo was kind of the big division or the big split because medieval art before him was all painted, but then come the High Renaissance, he's starting to paint or he's starting to sculpt. On marble, right? monochromatically. And this was, I think, an interesting break because he's using marble, very consciously using marble. Mm-hmm. And now the marble, being a conscious decision, he's showing off the beauty of the material. Correct. And it's also in a religious setting. So I'm wondering if there's something ghostly or spiritual about the appearance of sculpting Moses or an angel or God without color to try to get to that sense of spiritualness. Oh, like an ethereal and, quality. Right. Almost an abstraction, mm-hmm. which makes me think, well, if he's abstracting the color out of the form, is Michelangelo the first Western abstract artist? I think we should just say yes. Because that allows us to rewrite art history and become like really smart. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. That sounds good. And I think I respond to that. I just maybe, you know, I told you a long time ago I was a minimalist. Yeah, you keep saying that. And you can say that as much as you want. (laughs) It's not going to change the fact that that you're a maximalist. Oh, God. But I do like the no-color statues. Well, these no-color statues. These. You have have statues all over your house that you bought for the explicit purpose of coloring. So if you started collecting these old statues, mm-hmm. these old Romans, I have no doubt that you would start painting them. I'd probably decoupage one of them. There you go. Yeah, That's there you go. There you go. You got me. Yeah, it's all well and good until you actually have one in front of you and you have a paintbrush. You know? I know. I can't wait to start tattooing my mannequin. You're unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. Oh, should I, should I get a little uh, sun tattoo around my nipple like that? It, they had? That would be a hard no. Okay. Because that would really hurt. Right, what am I going to do for the rest of the day then? I don't know. So the other interesting thing. Yes. It, I, it's so interesting that I have to tell you that it's interesting. <laughs> Good segue. I think they point out something that's correct, though, mm-hmm. that there is a chromophobia in modern society. And I think we see it in design. 
I see, especially, oh my gosh, have you seen what people paint their houses now and what they decorate their houses with? Oh God, I can't have you over here with the renovation. Black, white, and gray. That is the palette tone that we have. We have been slowly degrading from a you know full color palette right. from say the 1950s and 60s down to today's modern high design is mm. considered really beautiful if it's just black, white. I can't and gray. stand all this gray. It reminds me of a prison. It's garbage, and. It's talked about like being high fashion, mm-hmm. but I think what it is is modern designers are just really bad. I think they're just really bored. I think I don't know. How, I don't think they know how to deal with color. Color takes a lot of subtlety. It does. It takes a lot of understanding. You it need does. to balance the whole palette rather than just black, white, and gray. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, in terms of house renovation. You know, I spent quite a bit, not as much time as I probably could have because it was visually overstimulating. But I went to um, Floor and Decor, heard the direction of my contractor. I was like, you know, screw this. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I'm not doing transition tile. I'm not doing decorative tile. I'm not doing tile. I mean, this is like a a tiny, tiny bathroom. Mm -hmm. And the directions would have been to like, According to the designer, not my guys here. They're very cool. And but and the designer was cool too. No shade to, to, to them. They were good. But you know, what everyone does isn't what I was interested in doing. I mean, I've got probably like a a six by eight room with a shower. I wanted it to look like a wet room and I wanted it to be not visually distracting. So if I, you know what I'm saying? If I have like one tile in, in the in the shower and then a floor tile in the shower and then a transition tile out of the shower and then different tile, then tile. It's like, oh, hell to the no. I'm not doing this. So I picked it's two okay tiles. It's okay to decorate a small room. You know, that's well, not a crime. I could also do color pops with other stuff on the wall. One of the things that really bothers me about modern design, this mm-hmm. trend, is that it really eviscerates our ability to use white correctly or mm-hmm. or, or well. Mm-hmm. You can make a white room that is absolutely drop-dead beautiful, but you don't want to make your whole house that way. No, no, no. It's really the kind of thing that you want to use sparingly. You can't really do that with a lot of colors. You can't really make a whole blue room. Mm-hmm. unless You have to go really light. Otherwise, it would just be overwhelming. Like if you look at my house right now, right. blue walls, purple door, greenish yellow ceiling mm-hmm. i don't know it's i don't even i can't even name these colors because they're so weird i think it looks cool but you know the overuse of that white black and gray means that we don't ever have that one beautiful white pop mm-hmm. and it's you know it's easy to do it in a bathroom because it's a small space and you have a lot of white options in mm-hmm. there anyway right so just a few different not necessarily shades but reflective qualities like some shinier or some more matte and you could do it beautifully, but you wouldn't. You just wouldn't see it today because it was, it's the forest with the trees. It would just be overwhelmed by everything else. But as proof that designers are getting worse generation by generation, in the 90s when I was in school, the graphic design teachers were already complaining about this. They were seeing students who were much less color curious and much less curious overall. I mean, it was, not, I shouldn't say much less, slightly less. And then... I think in the mid-2000s, I was talking to a graphic design teacher, and she was really complaining about how the design students of that era, which is 15 years ago now, were even so much less curious than they were 20 years before that. The student she was dealing with only knew like two or three font faces, 
All they wanted to know was Futura and Helvetica, which mm-hmm. are really minimalistic font faces. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty shocking. A graphic designer should know dozens, if not hundreds, of well, probably hundreds of font faces okay. to understand how to utilize that. There, there's a smaller and smaller set of information that they educate themselves with and that they're able to implement in the world. Websites over the past 15 years have gotten so much less interesting. They all look the same now. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of templates out there. But all the templates also look the same. They, Of course you go to they Square, do, yeah. You go to Squarespace or WordPress, and it's all, let's put a lot of white space around everything, and let's use a lot of white and black. In it's terms very disappointing. Of, okay, in terms of like the design getting more sparse and, and the, the font and all of this, do you think some of it, I just had a thought while you were speaking, that um, you know we're bombarded with so much more information and so much more visual stimuli, and people are so much more onto their, I mean, we're always looking at something. I mean, obviously, as if you're alive and you can see, you're always looking at something. But I'm like, we're seeking it out, or it's seeking us out. And do you think that some of the issuing of the various fonts is just because there's like a stimulus overload that we're not even acknowledging, and it's appealing to go to like a more still or quiet place visually at times? I, I don't think so. I think okay. I think it's just I think it's a degradation of the design culture because it's easier. I mean, you can see the same thing in architecture. Arch- modern architecture has gone nowhere for the past 60 or 70 years. When did it stop with Mies van der Rohe? Well, we peak- yeah, we, well, a little bit later than that, but like in the 50s and 60s, we kind of peaked with, quote, minimalism. Mm-hmm. And people get confused that minimalism is design. Minimalism is, minimalism is a part of design. Right. But it's, it's kind of a difficult thing to actually master. After that, architecture just stopped. I mean, there has been almost no movement, no maturing since then. Every generation, there'd be a new design trend that we would work into architecture, like Art Nouveau and Art, and Art Deco and whatnot, right? I mean, those things happened in the span of 20, 40 years, and we had those two pretty distinct oh, culture. God, and, yeah. and then from then, we went to international design or minimalism, whatever you want to call it. And then since then, it's been nothing. That's an interesting thought. They go down some slight diversions, like Frank Gehry making houses out of chain link fencing which is not necessarily a good thing. It's right. like they're just so devoid of new ideas that they're going to use chain link fencing. Well, I think they should really focus on the environment and do things that are like reasonable. I had this whole discussion with my friend's father, who's a contractor in Minneapolis. And I'm like, why did they even design houses like this in Arizona? I mean, this thing's yeah. a nightmare. It's a nightmare. You know, it's like, and there's so many ways that you could have used windows and flooring and things that would have been so much more in sync with the environment to maintain coolness, to actually use the light. I mean, this is like a 1969, 1970s build. And the lack of light in this house is astonishing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, there's a disconnect because there are, there are still some people doing interesting things, but it, the, there's that disconnect from the interesting people doing interesting things and it migrating into the general public. Mm-hmm. That that just doesn't happen anymore. That's the blockage. But there are some architects who are thinking like that, who are designing with the environment in mind and building that way. Mm-hmm. And we have, what's that place called just north of us? Oh, Arcasante. Arc, Arcasante. Mm-hmm. There's Arcasante, which is generally you know, trying to do something different and interesting and new, but it, it doesn't spread beyond it. Like you have to go there and look at it and then no one takes that, those ideas home. A hundred years ago, that thing would have exploded. 
that idea would have exploded. Well, Arcasanti's been around for a long time. Paolo exactly. Soleri was still, and it was always like seen as like a niche, an art artist haven. Um, they were a very contained environment. Right, but that's my point. Is yeah, I know it is your point. They yeah. sh- that that should have blown up. Why? Why is that kind of stuff not blowing up anymore? Why? Are, why are we stuck with minimalism? I don't know. Well, why is there like an experimental house at the Desert Botanical Gardens, or there used to be, where they were looking at different ways to like pipe in for like brown water, um, you know, use of the windows. They actually, you would bid to like live there for a year, <laughs> and and you could live there like as a family, like you, one person, two people, family of four or five, whatever, and they would track all of your usage of water, utilities, whatever. And you just kind of lived in the botanical gardens. I don't know if that's still a program, but they had all kinds of research for probably a couple decades. And where did that go? I mean, they continued building crappy houses in Arizona in the middle of the freaking desert that are poor utilizers of water, poor utilizers of insulation. You know, light is sparse. And it's just it's just nonsense. I think modern humans are just boring. But yeah. I also wonder... Well, Arca, I wanted to say Arco Sunday, for those who don't know about it, is it's a little bit, what is it, like a, uh, 60, 50 miles? How far north of Phoenix is it? Uh, I'd say about, I don't know, I would say uh, it's a, 40 it's a minutes. North. Yeah, it's like, it's not that far. It's a little bit north of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But it's a place where they experiment with ecological housing. Uh, what they call them? Earthships? Earth sh- I think they had some earthships, and then they would, they made all the Arco Sante bells. They so did the a lot idea of is just outside of Phoenix... They have houses which are fully self-sufficient. You know, they build them using mm-hmm. re- recy- recycled materials, and they build them into the into the hillsides and into the dirt, so they are very energy efficient. They can basically support themselves. They collect their own rain- rainwater. They collect enough energy, and they use, you know, they store energy in the earth and recycle it, and all these kind of different things to really minimize the impact. Arcosanti is a fascinating place. And I have an old Arcosante bell from when they, they do the metal casting. Oh. It's like the, one of the old original ones. <laughs> it's, it's lovely. Oh, we should get it restored. No, I'm not going to restore it. Actually, the little <laughs> dangle thing fell off of it, and I found it. And a friend's like, oh, you can order them. I don't even want the new one. I'm going to just drill another hole and hang the original one up because I don't want anything new on the bell. It's just, it's my, I love it. Uh, oh, I'm just looking out the window, and Christopher just drove up. Uh-oh. Yeah. I, I have to go out and fight him now. And obviously that'll be a fight to the death. So uh, either I'll be back in a minute, or if he wins, I guess that'll be the end of the show. Okay. Good luck. 